Kia ora and welcome to the Rural News. I'm Sally Murphy. Farmers in the lower half of the South Island are battling blizzard-like conditions and freezing temperatures as a cold snap sweeps across the land. Bruce Ede, who runs a 550-head dairy farm near Tapanui in eastern Southland, says since Saturday afternoon the weather has been dreadful with snow and plenty of rain. Since it started snowing there on Saturday night, so I'd say we probably had close to eight inches down here. We're at about 200 metres altitude where we farm here. So, yeah, we've had quite a bit. As a look out here on the farm at the moment, we're probably still at least 50, 50% white um, with snow and that, although we've had quite a lot of rain. I didn't look in the gauge, but quite a lot of rain overnight, so it's starting to melt it. But obviously, rain plus snow melt equals another problem. A bit of flooding, I'd imagine. Um, oh, yeah. Just looking at a a hollow and a paddock here out from me there there's only about six inches of the fence post sticking out above the water. Mr Ede says this is the biggest snowfall he's seen in 10 years with the weight of it causing huge damage to his open pen barn which houses 150 heifers in the winter. And we discovered at 10 o'clock yesterday morning the the roof had caved in on that due to the snow. Thankfully, because we'd had the good weather, the calves or the yearlings were still out on grass and we had planned on putting them in there in the next fortnight or so. But um, I'd say, well, it is a write-off really. The, the roof is touching the ground and uh, it's all bent and buckled. It's about 60 metres long and I think there's only about 10 metres at one end still standing. The rest of it's knackered. Bruce Ede says the power had been on and off, which made it difficult to milk the cows, but he says a generator is now up and running. Further north, Paul O'Malley farms sheep and beef in Sticks Valley at the head of the Maniototo Plain. I asked him what conditions are like at his place. Uh, it's hard to find a word for, I can say on the radio, but not very nice. Uh, yesterday feeding out, could hardly see, hardly see the silage, but behind me just blizzard conditions. Um, today it's more sleety stuff, but they're still cold, strong winds, and the drifts are actually bigger today than yesterday. It's blown around more, so it's probably harder getting around today in the trip than yesterday. Raining or sleety, just bloody miserable, that's for sure. Really cold out there. He says there's about six inches of snow covering his farm, but the stock are doing well. This time of year, for us, it's, it's winter time. We're prepared for it. We're feeding out anyway. We're a long way from sharing or landing everything up in our valley, so it's not really a problem at all. I don't mind winter and winter time better than getting it in spring or something. And so you're probably used to getting snow every year, are you? Yeah, we can do, yeah. Yep. And we need it. It does do a lot of good. It fills up, it lifts the water table and fills ponds and that sort of thing, and we need that. So we don't get it. Um, you pay for it in the spring and summer, so, yeah, this is a good time for us to get it. Paul O'Malley says all he can really do today is feed the stock, so he's relieved to have a heater in his tractor. To other news, it's vital New Zealand strikes a balance of reducing greenhouse gas emissions while also producing enough food, a new report has found. Rabobank launched the white paper called the Great New Zealand Balancing Act, delivering sustainable emissions reductions, food security and economic prosperity at the Primary Industries Conference in Wellington this morning. Rabobank Chief Executive Todd Charteris says there's a huge push to reduce on-farm emissions, but that shouldn't come at the cost of producing food. He says at the moment the balance isn't right. I think you know, in the pursuit of um, purely an environmental outcome, um, we've just lost sight, I think, of, um, of some of those other elements, which is you know, your, your classic social and economic. And uh, when we look at impacts from rural, rural communities and 
and uh, rural livelihoods. I mean, I just think it's coming at a price. Confidence levels are down, you know, and there's an impact on, on people's well-being and state of mind. And um, you know, overlay that with weather events and things that we've had, and, and I just think, yeah, we've, we've kind of got out of balance, it feels like. So what can we do to get the balance right? Oh, well, I think it's more of a discussion around, you know, moving a mindset away from absolute emissions to emissions um, efficiency per output of production. So it's like an um, in- intensity measure, uh, I think, is, is a good starting point. Um, yeah, so we need to keep producing food, but we need to do it more efficiently. And we, and we, everyone recognises that, and I certainly recognise it. But it's a, I think it's a mindset change from moving from, as I say, absolute emissions to, to more uh, um, emissions uh, efficiency per unit of output. Todd Charteris says penalising efficient farmers and growers must be avoided as it threatens food security and increases total global emissions by encouraging other less efficient countries to produce more food. Meat company Alliance says maintaining high standards of animal welfare and environmental protection in local agriculture will help cut through the competition in China. General Manager of Global Sales Shane Kingston visited China as part of the Prime Minister's business delegation last week. He says the mood there is subdued as markets seek to recover from a punishing pandemic period followed by dropping consumer spend. But Mr Kingston says the situation will improve. China remains a, a significant opportunity when you think about the population and their, you know, the consumption needs. I think we've got to continue to do a, a very good job in key targeted areas. You, you never win everywhere. I think we've got to continue to really be investing in helping the Chinese consumer understand all of the values and attributes of our product. You've got to be very deliberate and spend a lot of time, energy and effort to, to really and make that happen because there's a lot of brand noise in the Chinese consumer's daily life. So to cut through that, you've got to have a very good plan. The Chinese consumer values what New Zealand has to offer. I think we've got to continue to work into that space, continue to improve our standards. You know, farm insurance, farm insurance plus programs of that nature will become more important in how we can ultimately to the Chinese consumer our responsibility around animal welfare, environmental, etc. Shane Kingston says while in China, he signed a deal with Alliance's long-standing importer, Grand Farm, to expand into more Chinese cities. He says the company is focusing on getting high-value products into retail. There's different cuts, they're portioned. The goal is that we can extract more value through adding value in the sense of convenience, portioning, sizing, further form. And ultimately, that's very much where the Chinese consumer is moving to, where previously their bias to the consumption of land particularly would have been more in food service. Shane Kingston says it's hoped the new deal will increase profits for Alliance farmers. After a few years of subdued international cut flower orders due to COVID, the country's main Cymbidium orchid exporter says signs are positive for a strong selling season, which is just getting into the full swing. Cymbidium orchids make up a large chunk of New Zealand's flower export industry, which is worth about $20 million a year. New Zealand Bloom sources and supplies flowers for international markets. Its managing director, David Ballard, says early season prices are very high. He says orchids are exported to 25 countries and most of the markets are performing nicely. It's going pretty well. I think most markets are absorbing flowers quite well. Returns to growers have been 
well up on last year, but that's partly because the season is a little late, so the, those volumes will probably normalise sometime during July. The, the, there's good good demand in China, which was a little bit softer last year, and then maybe the US is the US had an extremely good wedding season last year, and they're probably not going to repeat it at that same level this year. But they'll still be pretty good. It's still going quite well up there. David Ballard says the most popular orchid colours are white, green and pink, but novelty colours, including tones of brown, orange and red, are also doing well in small numbers. And that's the rural news for today. Koirate Purongo o te taiwhenua. Kia pai, te rā.